right. Does that sound like it's on now? Okay, good. John chapter 9 is where we're going to begin this morning. Great to have uh, part of our family here with us today. We're thrilled that they were able to come down and spend a few minutes with us. They got here Thursday, was it? Thursday, and then we got here late yesterday. And so a few minutes last night and a few minutes this morning, and then they're flying home this afternoon. And then Mrs. Young and I'll be here with you through Tuesday. So, uh, yes, it was a great sacrifice to leave the nine degrees below zero weather that we had in Chicago Friday morning and uh, come out here and suffer through this 70-degree weather. But uh, somebody has to do it, so we're willing to endure, you know, for the Lord. When some people uh, give their testimony, what we call give their testimony, they go into a lot of the details, especially about the details of what happened in their life before they got saved. And I suppose there's nothing wrong with that because uh, the Bible often tells us quite a bit about people's lives and things that went wrong in their lives. Uh, the Bible tells us about David and Bathsheba. It uh, tells us about David and Uriah. Uh, the Bible tells us about the, uh, the woman at the well that had five different husbands and then was living with a man she wasn't uh, married to. The Bible tells us about the maniac of Gadara that was living in the graveyard or the cemetery and wasn't even wearing any clothes and was wild and so forth. But I guess um, the way I would word it is I guess I'm just so uh, ashamed of all of my sins that when I give my testimony, I, I just don't go into all the details of the things that, that happened, especially before I got saved. You know, some people, as they give their testimony, they almost seem to enjoy the memories <laughs> of what they were like before they got saved. But I'll admit to you, I have no fond memories whatsoever of any of my sins. Not the sins that I committed before I got saved and not the sins that I committed yesterday. I just have no fond memories. But I do have fond memories of God's grace. I do have fond memories of God's mercy. I do have fond memories of God's uh, forgetful, uh, God's uh, forgiveness. I want to look at a story this morning in the Bible in John chapter 9 that I believe you'll understand why I explained that to be, as we get into this story. In John chapter 9, we're going to begin with verse 1. We're just going to read some uh, sketchy little details of the uh, story here. It's a story that's fair, fairly familiar to many of us. It begins in John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So if you look at me just for a moment, what's happening here is Jesus is passing by. He sees a man that's blind, and some of his disciples say, Jesus, why is this man blind? Is it because of the sins he committed, or is it because of the sins his parents committed? And, you know, the Bible teaches us that everybody has sinned. And so what Jesus is saying is, no, he's not blind because of his sins. He's not blind because of his parents' sins. He's blind so that I can have this opportunity to show you a miracle and, and, uh, and, and verify to you that I am the Son of God. Then let's look down at verse 6, John chapter 9, verse uh, 6. When he, speaking of Jesus, when he, Jesus, had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. 
and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So Jesus made some clay, put it on the man's eyes. He went and, uh, he went and uh, 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 washed it off. When he came back, he could see. Now let's look down at verse uh, 13. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. Okay, if you'll look at me just for a moment, I want to explain quickly. Just like in our day today here in America, we have a government that is, consists of two different bodies of the government. We have the House of Representatives and we have the Senate that make up what we call our Congress. Well, in their day, they had two ruling bodies and they were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And just like in our day, if somebody does something that's supposedly bad enough, then they have to go testify in front of the Congress, in front of the House of Representatives, in front of the Senate. We've seen a lot of that play out in recent days in the news with our president and, and, and all of that. Uh, but, uh, but that's exactly what is happening here. Let's look at verse 14, and I'll show you why they had this man go uh, appear before the Pharisees or, 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 the, or like our Senate. Uh, verse 14 says, And it was the Sabbath day, when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Okay, again, if you look at me for a moment, these Pharisees had been looking for a chance to accuse Jesus of something so that they could prove he was not really the Son of God. And so when Jesus healed this man, it happened to be on Saturday, which is what they called their Sabbath, and it's very similar to, to our Sunday here in America. It was a day, and are any of you willing to admit you're old enough to remember when we used to have what we called here in America the blue laws, when there was hardly no businesses open on Sunday. You, you know, some of us are old enough to remember that, just a few of us. But uh, I don't know how prevalent that was here in California. But where I grew up in Louisiana, there was a time when I was a little boy. Uh, I lived out in the country near a big city called Streetport, about 200,000 people. And in that big city of Streetport, there was two things open on Sunday, the, the police department and the hospital. There was nothing else. And if you wanted fuel for your car, you bought it on Saturday. If you wanted groceries for your house, you bought them on Saturday. Nothing was open on Sunday. And in their day, they not only had a law that you couldn't, open your business they had a law that you not even you, you not not you could not only open not open your business you couldn't even do any kind of work you couldn't rake the leaves in your front yard you couldn't uh, uh, you couldn't prepare a meal on Sunday you had to cook your your Sunday meal on Saturday uh, or, or your your Saturday meal on Friday because there theirs was on the Sabbath day and when Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day the Saturday they thought this is our chance Hey, we can get him. Let's go get that guy that he healed and bring him in here and make him testify in front of us and maybe we can accuse Jesus of doing something wrong and prove he's not God. All right, let's look at verse 15. Then again the Pharisees also asked him, him being the man that was blind, how he had received his sight. He said, the blind, the man that had been blind, said unto, unto them, he, speaking of Jesus, put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man, speaking of Jesus, this man Jesus, is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them, among the Pharisees, about whether or not Jesus was of God. 
Now, if you would, skip down to verse 24. In verse 24, it says, Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him. So if you look at me for just for a moment, what happened was they called in the man that had been blind, and they had him testify, and then they let him leave, and then they had some others testify, the blind man's parents and, and some others. And then they called the, the man who had been blind, they called him back in for a second time, just like we've seen here recently in our day for people being called before Congress multiple times and so forth. Verse 24 says, Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. So what the blind man, the former blind man, was saying was this. He was saying... I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know exactly who this guy is that healed me. And in fact, if you read the story carefully, you'll, you'll realize that the blind man did not get saved when he got healed. He came back and met Jesus another time and figured out who he was and got saved at that point. But at this point, all he knew was, I used to be blind and now I can see. He said, I don't know exactly how I got here. I don't know exactly how all this happened. You know, I want to say this morning, I've been saved for about 50 years now. And I'll have to admit to you, I don't know exactly how I got here. I don't know exactly how it is. And here I am 50 years later, and I get to preach. I get to love the Lord. I get to have a Bible that I read, and God speaks to me through it. You know, it seems like it was just yesterday I was the brand new convert. It seems like it was just yesterday that I was the... Uh, 15-year-old kid uh, who went to church and, and, and got saved. It seems like, uh, you know, I, I remember I got saved on a Monday night. And the following Sunday morning, I went to church. And, and I still remember when I started to go to church that morning, I noticed there were two Bibles laying on the dresser in my mom and dad's bedroom. They laid there all the time. They'd been there ever since I was a little kid. We never did anything with them, but they were there. And so when I started out the door that morning, I thought to myself, well, now that I'm a Christian and I'm going to church, I probably ought to have a Bible with me. And there were two Bibles laying there. One was a big, thick, brown Bible about that thick, and it had my mother's name on the outside of it. And the other one was about that thick. It was my dad's Bible. It was black, and it had my dad's name on the outside of it. Well, I didn't want to take a woman's Bible to church, so I picked up that black Bible, and I carried it to church with me that morning. And I remember sitting in Sunday school class, and the teacher said, turn to a certain place in the Bible. And so I was flipping through it, trying to find it. And the boy sitting next to me was trying to be helpful. And so he said, psst. It's in the Old Testament. Well, I didn't know what the Old Testament was. I, I, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so I thought he meant I had picked up the wrong Bible off the dresser that morning. So I just closed my Bible and laid it on the chair next to me. And he looked at me funny like, oh, what's wrong with you? And, you know, I, I remember, though, that week I decided, hey, I ought to have my own Bible. And, you know, I never heard of a Bible bookstore. I, I didn't know there was any such thing. I never heard of a, of a Christian bookstore. But I did know that when you went to town, I lived way out in the country, and when you drove into town, the second store on the left was a drugstore. One of those old-fashioned drugstores that had the soda fountain in the back. Do you remember that? The counter back there where they made hamburgers and french fries and the big milkshakes and the tin cups. Oh, my goodness. I remember. But, uh, uh, but in the front of the drugstore, they had a cash register and on a glass cabinet. And in that glass cabinet, they had some Bibles that I assumed they were selling them. And that's the only place I'd ever seen a Bible in a store. So 
I went to the drugstore to get me a Bible. And I remember I walked in, and, and I don't know why, but I looked at those Bibles for a few moments, and then I looked around to make sure nobody was listening. And I said to the lady behind the counter, I said, I want to buy a Bible. And she said, what kind of Bible? And I thought, oh, I don't And I looked in the counter, and it said, Holy Bible. And I said, I want a Holy Bible. And she said, no, no, I mean, are you a Catholic or a Baptist? Well, I was a Baptist. I had been one for a whole week now. I said, I said I'm a Baptist. You know, back then in Louisiana, everybody was either a Catholic or a Baptist unless somebody had messed with them. <laughs> and she said, well, if you're a Baptist, you need a King James Bible. You know, it's amazing that that lady at the drugstore knew more about the Bible than some preachers do. <laughs> and she said, you need a King James Bible. And so I bought me a Bible that week. But you know, that seems like that was just yesterday. I don't know why all the kids who lived in our community out there in the country that I was the one that Mr. Reed invited to go to church that Monday night. Mr. Reed, it took me to vacation Bible school the first time I ever went to that church. I don't know why he didn't invite Paul Black, he lived in the house next to me. I don't know why he didn't invite Ken Lawler. He lived in the big house up on the hill in front of me. Or why he didn't invite Doug Huber. He lived in the house across the pasture behind me. For some reason, Mr. Reed invited me to go to church that night. I got saved on a Monday night and rode the bus to church the following Sunday morning. You know, I don't know why out of all those kids on that bus, there was about 30 or 40 of them, I don't know why the bus captain... <laughs> picked me to invite me to go to the Bible conference. I remember him, he, he asked my parents if I could go with him to the Bible conference. Now, the Bible conference was in Fort Worth, Texas. That was about three and a half hours from Shreveport. I'd never been that far away from home before. And boy, was I excited to go because he had said at the Bible... Now, I didn't know what a Bible conference was. I never heard that word. But he said at the Bible conference, we're going to hear Lester Roloff preach. And I said, wow. He said, we're going to hear Tom Malone preach. And I said, wow. He said, we're going to hear Lee Robertson preach. And I said, wow. He said, we're going to hear Jack Hiles preach. I said, wow. Who are those guys? <laughs> I never heard of them before in my life. I didn't know if they played shortstop for the Yankees or third base for the Cardinals. I had no idea who they were. But out of all the kids on that bus, the bus captain invited me to go to the Bible conference. And I remember at that Bible conference, on Monday night, the first service, we heard Dr. R.G. Lee preach. And I know some of you that are my age or older remember that name because he preached the most famous sermon of the past century. Payday Sunday was the name of his sermon, the most famous sermon of, of the last century. And that sermon is the sermon he preached that Monday night. And I remember my heart burning while he preached that sermon. Now remember, I was a bus kid. <laughs> remember, I'd only been saved about three months. I didn't know any better. Tuesday morning in that big auditorium, Dr. Lee was standing right here. The pastor was standing there. Uh, Johnny Ramsey, the pastor of the uh, Rolling Hills Missionary Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Big auditorium, seated about 1,000 people. It was jam-packed full. And I walked up on the platform during the song service. And I said to Dr. Lee... Dr. Lee, this is my name right here. I had it written on a three-by-five card. I said, I'm a preacher boy. Would you take my name home with you and pray for me that God will use me? Dr. Lee said, I'll pray for you right now. And I knelt right there, and Dr. Lee put his hands on my head and prayed that God would use me. You know, it seems like it was just yesterday. I don't know exactly how I got from there to 
here, but I do remember four things that happened to me right after I got saved. They're very simple. I'm going to tell you what they were this morning, and you'll remember every single one of them. You won't even have to write them down. They're the simplest things in the world, but those four simple things that happened to me right after I got saved, I believe is what God used to transform my life. I believe it's what God used to help me to grow as a Christian. And I believe it's what got me started in the right direction and brought me to where I am today. I believe if you'll listen carefully, and if you'll consider these four things, I think it can help you. Wherever you are in your Christian life, it'll help you move on to the next level. You're going to think, is he kidding? Just that, those four things, they're so simple, but here they are. Number one. When I got saved, went to church. Just that simple. I got saved on a Monday night. I didn't know they had church on Wednesday night. So I went to church the following Sunday morning. I rode the bus and I went to church. And I went back to church Sunday night. I got baptized. Then they started a revival meeting, like you're having special meetings here this week on Monday and Tuesday night. Well, they had a revival that was going to go Monday through Friday night. So I went to the revival Monday night and Tuesday night. And Wednesday night, then I found out they had church every Wednesday night. So I went Thursday night, I went Friday night. The next Sunday, I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And four years later, when I left home to go to Hiles Anderson College, I had missed three church services. On Friday night, I got sick. About daylight, Saturday morning, my father picked me up in his arms, and he carried me out and laid me in the back of our station wagon. You remember the old... Rambler station wagons. <laughs> Remember the old cross-country Rambler station wagon? Some of you shaking your head. You're admitting how old you are now. And, and he laid me in the back of that station wagon like put me in an ambulance and he rushed me to town and went to the emergency room and I was in the hospital from Saturday morning to Friday afternoon. I missed church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I got out of the hospital Friday afternoon. I was back in church Sunday morning. I missed three services four years. Now, that's not real complicated, but it just seemed like what I was supposed to do. You know, the one thing that I kind of figured out by myself was, now I'm a Christian, I ought to go to church. And so I did. I just went to church. The second thing that happened to me, I still remember exactly when it happened. It was about the third or fourth week after I'd been saved. I don't remember exactly which Sunday, but I remember the Sunday morning it happened. My pastor made one of the most amazing statements I'd ever heard. Now, it's going to seem simple to you, but at the time, it was just so amazing to me. He was preaching his sermon on Sunday morning, and he made the statement, when you go home this week, you should read your Bible. And I thought, read your Bible? You know, I thought the Bible was like you take your math book to math class, you take your English book to English class, you take your science book to science class, and you take your Bible to church. And I never, I never went home and read my math book. And so I thought, go home and read your Bible and I remember that morning, I, I had my brand new Bible. I just bought it a couple of weeks before. And I remember the pastor was standing at the back door. And as I started out, I stopped in front of him. And I said, Brother White, uh, uh, you said I should read my Bible this week. Where should I start? He took my Bible from me. He flipped it open like this. And he found the book of Matthew. He found chapter 1. And he said, Ray, right here is what they call the New Testament. That's where it starts. Matthew chapter 1. He said, you ought to start right there. And I remember, I took my finger and I put it right there in the Bible. And I closed the Bible because I didn't want to lose that spot. And I remember riding a bus home that afternoon. I was sitting there on the bus holding my Bible with my finger in it because that's where I wanted to start reading the Bible. 
And sure enough, Sunday afternoon, I read a couple chapters. Monday morning, I read a couple more. I took my Bible to school Monday morning. I read some more at lunch. I read some more Monday afternoon. Tuesday morning, Tuesday at lunch. Tuesday night, I read some more. And Tuesday night, I finished reading the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, Jesus was born. He grew up. He performed some miracles. He got arrested. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again, and he went back to heaven. And I thought, wow. What a neat story. I thought, man, I never knew all these really neat stories are in the Bible. You know, to use a real spiritual word, it was really cool. <laughs> I just thought, wow, this is so cool to get to read these stories like this. So I turned the page to the book of Mark, and it said Jesus was born, and it began to grow up. Boy, did I get confused. I called my pastor on the phone. You remember those old phones that hung on the wall in the kitchen? <laughs> and, you know... You know, and I called my pastor and I said, Brother White, how many times did Jesus come to the earth and get born? And he had to explain the Gospels to me. I went to church and I read that book right there. The third thing that happened to me, and you know this one I can't really explain to you. I don't know exactly why it happened. I wish I knew so I could explain it to you. But, but I can tell you what happened. The third thing that happened to me was I fell in love. I just became hungry for more and more preaching. I wanted to hear all the preaching I could hear. You know, just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night wasn't enough. I wanted to hear more than just three sermons a week. You know, before I got saved, I enjoyed listening to the country western music. And before I got saved, I enjoyed listening to some of the rock music. Before I got saved, I enjoyed listening to the sports on the radio and the television. But you know, when I got saved, I didn't enjoy any of that anymore. Now I wanted to just hear all the preaching I could hear. You know, I didn't just go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I went to every youth rally they had, every youth revival they had, every camp meeting, every Bible conference, uh, uh, every tent meeting. Uh, you, you know, I just, you know, I also remember, you remember those, uh, uh, remember those big tape recorders they had? You're willing to admit you're old enough to remember those. It was about the size of a loaf of bread, and it took about six or eight batteries to make the thing work. You know, you remember that? And and and, and I, my mother bought me one of those for Christmas. And you know, before Detroit ever came up with the idea of having a tape player in your car, I may be the first one who ever invented the concept of having a tape player in your car. I remember driving down the road with my tape player right there on the seat next to me, listening to uh, "Pearl of Great Price" by Dr. Jack Howell or Payday Someday by, by uh, John R. Rice, or, uh, I mean, by uh, 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 R.G. Lee, or, or uh, Prayer, uh, Asking, Receiving by John R. Rice, and, uh, and, and, and this kind, and I Set Where They Said, and Others, and The God of a Second Chance, and Seven Sure Steps to Success, and Fresh Oil, and all those great sermons. I remember, I remember a couple of times weeping so hard I had to pull off the side of the road and sit there and cry for a while because I couldn't see to drive because of those sermons, boy, they would just burn in my heart. It really is not real complicated. I went to church, I read that book right there, and I listened to all the sermons I possibly could find. Then number four, and it's just as simple as the other three, number four, and I'm done, I went to church, I read the Bible, I listened to preaching, and I tried my best to get everybody I knew saved. So I got saved on a Monday night. 
I mean, all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I knew for sure that every sin I had ever committed had been lifted off my shoulders. In fact, I've often said, it doesn't matter how you feel when you get saved, but the way I felt was I felt like somebody had reached down and taken a big load of bricks off of my shoulders, and I know now what that was. It was my sins that I'd been carrying around, the guilt of those sins. And that night, uh, when I got saved, uh, I, I just I knew my sins were forgiven. I knew I was going to go to heaven. It didn't matter if I lived another week or if I lived another 50 years. I was going to go to heaven someday and I wanted everybody I knew to know about that. I remember that night when I got saved, I went home and Mr. Reed had given me to church that night. He dropped me off in front of the house and he said, Ray, do you want me to come in and tell your parents what happened? And I said, no, I think I can tell them. And I got out of the car, and I meant to walk across the front yard, but the first thing I knew, I was running across the front yard. I meant to open the door and walk in the house, but the first thing I knew, I had slammed the door back against the wall. My mother was sitting across the room from the, uh, from the door on the couch watching television, and I meant to walk over there and sit down next to her, but the first thing I knew is I had leaped across the living room floor. I was on my knees. I had my face in her lap, my arms around her waist. I was crying uncontrollably, and I remember my mother patting me on the head and saying, Son, what's the matter? Son, what happened? Son, what's wrong? And after several moments, I looked up and I said, Mom, uh, uh, I, I got saved tonight. Have you ever been saved? And she said, Well, I think I have. And, but, you know, a couple of years later, I was sitting in my bedroom on a Sunday afternoon, and my mom opened the door and walked in, and she closed the door. You guys know how you feel when mom closes the door. <laughs> and, and, and I turned around. She was crying, and I thought, Oh, my goodness, I'm really in trouble now. <laughs> you know, I thought... What have I done? Well, in my case, it was which one did she find out about? And my mother said, son, I've been out collecting for the March of Dimes. I'm driving my route, collecting money. And she said about halfway through the route, I said to God, if you'll let me get home safe, I promise I'll go to Ray's room and I'll ask Ray to show me how to go to heaven. And she did. And on our knees beside my bed, I showed my mother what we call the Romans Road. When my mother got off her knees, she knew she was going to heaven. She came to church with me that night and got baptized. She had been a, a teacher in a public school. She resigned that and, and started teaching in a Christian school and later became the principal of the Christian school. When I got home at night, I asked my mother if she was saved. My dad was still at work. He had worked late that night. So the next morning when I got up, I'd only been saved about 12 hours. I put on my blue jeans, no shirt, no shoes. Went straight in the living room. My dad was tying up his boots, getting ready to go to work. He's a real manly kind of a guy. He was in the 82nd Airborne and fought in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. And, you know, I'm just a scrawny little kid sitting next to him. And, and I said, Dad, uh, uh, Dad, last, last, uh, uh, Dad, last, uh, Dad, uh, Dad, last night I got saved. Have you ever been saved? He said, well, of course I have. And he got up and walked out and went to work. But a few years later, after I went to Hiles Anderson College, I was asked to preach at a youth meeting. And so I went to preach at that church a few miles from the college. And my buddy went with me, and he had one of those old tape recorders, the, the, the guy I was talking about. And he sat on the second row, and I didn't know it, but he taped my sermon. Well, that had never happened before. And so now, after the sermon was over, he gave me the tape. Well, now that I had a tape ministry, I wanted everybody on my mailing list to get my sermon tape. So I mailed that sermon tape to my mother. She was the only one on my mailing list. <laughs> my dad came home from work, and 
tape was playing, and he sat down and listened to the end of it. And he said, turn that over. I want to hear the whole thing. And she turned it over, and they listened to it again. That night when they went to bed, Mom said she could feel the bed shaking. Now, I lived in the same house with my dad for 18 years. I only heard my dad cry. I only saw my dad cry two times in 18 years. But that night, my mom said dad was crying so hard the bed was shaking. She said, Theo, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. She said, I know what's wrong. You need to get saved, don't you? And he said, that's all I've thought about since I heard that sermon this afternoon. They got out of bed, turned on the light, got on their knees beside their bed, and my mom showed my dad the same thing I had showed her. He got saved that night. She became a Sunday school teacher. He became a deacon. They're both in heaven now. I told my dad that morning I had been saved. I asked him if he was saved. That afternoon, I came home from school. I'd only been saved about 20 hours. I had never heard the term soul winning. I didn't know what that was. I had never heard witness in relation to the Bible or anything. I didn't know what that was. But when I came home from school that afternoon, my brother was underneath his 1967 uh, 396 Supersport. He had a four-barrel carburetor and a four-speed Hurst-shifter uh, Hurst on the floor. Uh, he was underneath his car changing the transmission. He did that about once a week, I think. And as I walked by, he said, Hey, Ray, get under here and help me hold this transmission in place while I put the bolts back in. So I slid under the car. I'm laying there holding the transmission up like this. And I leaned over and I said to my brother, Larry, if this car fell on us right now and, uh, and it killed us, would you go to heaven? He said, well, of course I would. I said, you wouldn't go to heaven. You have to be saved to go to heaven. He said, I am saved. I said, you're not saved. You drink beer. <laughs> now, my theology was off, but not very far. <laughs> but I didn't know what else to say. I got out from under the car. I found my younger brother in the backyard. I said, Kevin, you ever been saved? He said, well, Ray, you were there the day I got baptized. But I knew getting saved and being baptized wasn't the same thing, but I didn't know what else to say. That day at, at, at lunch when I was at school, uh, I had sat down at, at the same table that I always sat at with all the other boys that played on the football team. I played on the defensive team, and all the other guys were there. And I sat down, and I bowed my head, prayed for my meal. And when I did, I looked up, and my roll was missing. My dessert was missing, and my milk was gone. And I thought, this praying stuff doesn't work. <laughs> and one of the guys said, Young, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying for my meal. He said, Why? I said, because I got saved last night. He said, you got what? I said, I got saved. Have you guys ever been saved? And I remember one of them saying, well, I got baptized when I was six weeks old. You just now getting baptized? And I knew it was something different, but I didn't know how to explain it. A few weeks later, my pastor, he made a, an announcement in church one morning. that was, boy, it was, I was so excited. I remember the morning he said, he said, next Sunday, we're going to have a special day here at our church. And he said, it's called friend Sunday. He said, I want every one of you to go invite your friends to come to church next Sunday, and I'm going to preach a sermon that will tell them how to get saved. Well, I'd been trying to tell them at school, and I didn't know how to do it, so I invited my friends, and they all came that morning, all one of them, Tom Humphrey, the only one that would come. He and I sat right over here on the second row. He was on the end. I was next to him. I remember during the invitation, holding the pew in front of me, squeezing it and thinking, boy, I ought to say something to Tom. I ought to ask him something about getting saved. And boy, I didn't know what to say. And finally, I just blurted out, Tom. And I looked around, and he was gone. I thought, where'd he go? And I looked, and Tom was right down here. He was kneeling, and my pastor had his arm around him. My pastor showed Tom how to get saved. Next morning, when we went to school, I walked in shop class, first hour. I laid my books down on the table, and my Bible was on the top of the stack. And next to my stack of books, there was another stack of books with the Bible on top. I'd never seen another Bible at school except mine. And I looked at it, 
And I don't know why, but I looked around to make sure nobody was looking. And I opened it up, and it said Mrs. Humphreys. So I knew Tom had brought his mother's Bible to school. So I said to Tom, hey, Tom, why did you bring your Bible to school this morning? He said, I don't know. I thought I was supposed to. You always bring yours. I said, well, Tom, what did uh, Randy Gaither and Mike Terhune and uh, B.J. Meek and Ray Wise and all those other guys that walked to school with you in the morning, what did they say this morning when they saw you carrying the Bible? He said, they didn't say anything. They just walked on the other side of the street. <laughs> and I said, oh, Tom, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you lose all your friends. Tom said, oh, it's okay, Ray. I got a brand new friend yesterday, and he's always going to walk with me. I saw Tom just a few years ago back in down Louisiana. They're going to church. I don't know exactly how I got here. <laughs> I'll be 65 years old in just a few months. I'm going to celebrate my 50th year this year of being a Christian. You know, all three of our daughters are saved. All their children are saved. You know, you may be looking at one of the happiest 64-year-old men you've ever seen in your life. I don't know how I got here, but I know I went to church, read my Bible, listened to preaching, and I wanted other people to get saved. It's not real complicated. I wonder if doing those things would help you in your Christian life. It sure has helped me. But I have every head bowed and every eye closed.